0: Chapter 26 of The Pocket Measure by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 26 Measuring Enthusiasm. Many a woman who is the fortunate slave of a young tyrant at home will be in a condition to sympathize with the frantic haste which Mrs. Spafford made on a certain Tuesday afternoon in order to be on time at the missionary meeting downtown an annual gathering and one of special interest young warren had so monopolized his mother for past months that she had missed several of the regular meetings and therefore felt lost or at least behind the times and was particularly anxious to secure this entire afternoon notwithstanding the unceremonious way in which she disposed of her toilet and the skilful quick step in which she went to the car she was late and breathless when at last the usher tiptoed with her down the aisle of the well-filled church somebody was reading and embarrassed as she was by her haste and tardiness she paused suddenly as she heard a voice whisper her once familiar name oh callie howell whose voice could that be it sounded to her like a dream from out a long gone past she gazed about her bewilderedly then advanced doubtfully a few steps and felt her dress gently twitched by somebody in the side aisle whose face was that where had she seen it was this a dream or had she dropped back ten fifteen nearly twenty years into her early childhood she took the seat made for her by systematic crowding and held out her hand mechanically to receive the energetic grasp of somebody have you forgotten all about sally lewis A voice whispered sally lewis why no she remembered her she was a young lady with curls and sweet blue eyes a sabbath school teacher her teacher and the little girls herself included used to call her their dear miss sally yes but that was twenty years ago miss sally grew old of course married went away where did she go oh yes she married a minister went to india or china or somewhere mrs spafford had not thought of her for a dozen years but all these events came crowding back upon her memory called up by that whispering voice then she turned and looked fully at the lady there were no curls the fair rosy cheeks were sallow and wrinkled but the soft blue eyes were bright and smiling yes i am sally lewis she whispered squeezing mrs spafford's hand and indulging in a softly laugh and you are my dear little roly-poly sabbath-school rosebud callie howell you are not changed so very much after all tropical sunshine hasn't burned all the fairness out of you you see just then came the voice of prayer and both ladies bowed their heads and mrs spafford had time to call back her startled thoughts and realize that she was living in the present and the sweet-faced worn woman beside her was really her old-time teacher a returned missionary she felt a sudden accession of honor she was richer in friends than she had remembered she studied the quiet face beside her furtively during the reading of the reports which followed trying to see in this middle-aged and unmistakably careworn woman a photograph of their beautiful and idolized miss sally it was hard to do she had evidently borne much of the heat and burden of the day her youthful freshness was long since gone and in its place had come many lines of care i have forgotten her name or let me see did i ever know her husband's name what a shame not to have kept within view of her work and she my old teacher this was mrs spafford's mental comment while the reading of the reports went on at last she bent toward the lady who still clasped her hand with the tenderness that the child callie remembered of old i don't know your name she whispered then the blue eyes that she remembered well flashed upon her a touch of their old archness as she spoke a name well known in missionary circles and recognized instantly by mrs spafford she had actually read extracts from her letters in public meetings and had never known that she was quoting from sally lewis oh i didn't mean that she whispered back instantly i know your name very well indeed i mean i don't know you why oh i mean and then both ladies laughed it was all so curious then directly of course they sat erect and gave serious attention to those reports the idea of two middle-aged ladies laughing in a religious meeting and one of them a returned missionary great as was her eagerness to have a little talk with her old friend mrs spafford could not but become interested in what was soon transpiring around her the reports were inspiriting the accession of members had been large the new auxiliaries many during the past year and the treasurer's report so far surpassed anything that they had had before and anything that had been expected that the ladies clapped their gloved hands with energy before its reading was concluded then several of the speakers seemed endowed with the very spirit of christ that afternoon so simply eloquent were their appeals so telling the incidents which they had to relate of sacrifice and progress and reward peculiarly was this the case with mrs temple's closing address her heart was more than ever aglow she had prepared herself carefully not so much with many statistics as with a few facts which she told in such a manner as to bow many heads and bring to the surface real heart tears mrs spafford listening to her rejoicing with her in the progress of the cause had nearly forgotten the honor of her own position in sitting beside one who had actually lived the experiences to which mrs temple was referring until some reference to the field in which she labored made her turn suddenly toward her friend for sympathy she was amazed and distressed to discover that not a trace of sympathetic feeling could be found on her face she sat erect composed and almost indifferent nay there was worse than indifference on her face there was just the shadow of a smile hovering around her mouth and actually a sarcastic curve to the upper lip the very curve which callie howell as a child remembered when something had occurred to arouse her bright young teacher's opposition what could be the explanation mrs spafford felt a cold chill at her heart and turned her head quickly and was so absorbed by her painful wonderings that she forgot to join in the solemn doxology which presently filled the house the shadow of her discovery embarrassed her so that when the meeting formally closed and the missionary turned eagerly toward her she knew not what to say why didn't we hear from you this afternoon was her first wonderment put into words oh i am to speak this evening at the union meeting she said indifferently i am glad to be relieved from duty this afternoon talking doesn't signify we have too much of that what we want is living of course assented mrs spafford but most of those who talk at this meeting are living too do you know mrs temple you will know her of course she is very prominent in this work and such a grand woman oh sally how you must miss such gatherings as these with sympathetic christian women all around you i never realized it so much before but what a heavy cross it must be to give up all such helps do you think so the returned missionary said and there was a strange light in her eyes it does not impress me in that way i wouldn't live in this country again for anything it seems to me i should suffocate Her cheeks were glowing and her whole manner indicated intense feeling her listener stood aghast i can't think what you mean she murmured of course you do not want to give up your work i can understand that and of course it is a blessed work but i thought there were sacrifices to make there are but they do not come to me in the way that you have indicated i'm not sure that i can make my meaning plain you don't know how it impresses me all this and oppresses me i feel as though you were all playing at missions think of the papers that have been read here this afternoon and the addresses that have been made every one of them referred to sacrifices and rejoiced over the thought of being counted worthy to bear the cross for him bah pardon the expression but it makes me sick what have they ever sacrificed for him what do they know of the meaning of the word look around you on every side do you see any evidence of retrenchment i am very familiar with that word it has been wrung at us in all its changes for the last four years our boards harp about it and our private letters of instruction teem with it we must curtail and curtail and curtail until we have sent children whom we had a chance to rescue from vice in its worst forms back into heathendom because the church at home couldn't furnish us with the paltry sums of money needed to carry on our work we met one evening in the mission house and went over our bills and planned and twisted and turned and then some of us cried and said it can't be done some of the girls must go from the school there is nothing more that we can curtail now look at these ladies i have been studying them all the afternoon I wish i hadn't i could almost wish that i might be blind while i am in this country attending missionary meetings so that i might hear and not see but my eyes are wide open what do i see a lace collar on this side real lace too i've not forgotten how the real article looks costing enough to support one of our girls at school for a year silk dresses two of which would give one of our boys a good education jewels such as would replenish the entire treasury bonnets oh dear what would not that row of bonnets bobbing all the afternoon just in front of me have done for our girls school last year and the owners of these very bonnets moved gracefully down the aisle and read their pretty little reports about its having been a year of much self-abnegation and earnest effort for the beloved cause no i don't want to come back to civilization to live i know i should suffocate i would much rather as a matter of personal comfort spend my life among the africans they are heathen you know we don't expect much of them she had talked very rapidly under the spell of evidently strong excitement and mrs spafford stood spellbound before her not knowing what to think or to say unable to utter a word relieved indeed from the necessity of doing so for at that moment three members of the executive committee swooped down upon the returned missionary and carried her off in triumph a captive to shake hands with scores and scores of pretty ladies in elegant toilets who were waiting for the honor to be bestowed upon them mrs spafford stood looking after her in sorrowful silence for a moment then turned and went slowly down the aisle she was going home she could not stay to hear her dear old teacher, Sally Lewis, talk that evening, though the desire to remain was now greatly intensified. But Master Warren had objected to her having an evening out. Indeed, it was through Mrs. Evans's self-sacrifice that she had been enabled to come this afternoon. She must hasten home to relieve her. But she certainly had food for thought, and i do not know that it is any wonder that baby had a very thoughtful preoccupied sort of mother for companion the rest of the day nor that he hailed with a crow of delight his father's late homecoming he came with news i meant to be early to-night he said bustling about with war mounted on his shoulder i was going to smuggle you off downtown with evans and his wife and look after this young man myself but we were detained by special business something happened i'll tell you about it when i get some water sit down young man until i bring your mamma a pitcher of water oh i saw joe this afternoon he says Phyllis will be back to-morrow she has had her tooth filled and is all right what had happened was on this wise extra work had been the portion of several of the clerks in the great store for the last few weeks owing to the absence of one of its most trusted employees he had broken down suddenly in the midst of a busy life and was reported from day to day as seriously sick every morning for two weeks mr spafford had heard one or another of the partners remark that it was a great inconvenience to have holbrook away just now he was doing well they believed but the illness was likely to be tedious it was almost impossible to supply his place temporarily still they could not lose him for considerable and must hold on as well as they could meantime as the days passed it was known to but few that mr evans was living a precarious life his deliberate resignation of his clerkship with the frank reasons therefor had caused but a nine days wonder among his acquaintances and had not of course caused even a ripple in the great business world where he was not known at all he had taken his place in the visible church and certain members good earnest men business men temperance men had shaken hands with him and welcomed him with glad words and assured him of their joy in hearing that he counted not his life dear unto himself and then they had gone their busy ways there was no vacancy in their gift They knew no way in which to help him save with kind words those they gave and said to one another when they met for the first few days that they hoped he would get a good position soon he ought to such backbone as that should be able to make its way in the world and then they had forgotten him others of the same church unhesitatingly said that they considered he had been rather faster than was necessary or even modest for so young a christian he could at least have felt justified in waiting until the lord opened some door for him the man who did not provide for his own household was worse than an infidel and then they too had forgotten him during these days the most rigid economy was practised in the little box of a house mrs evans taking lessons of her wifely love and resolute determination to help her husband through this struggle, developed a talent for making palatable dishes out of nothings, that she felt sure even Mrs. Spafford might have envied. Chances here and there the husband found to help hurried men for a day or two, work for which sometimes they paid him in money, and sometimes in hearty thanks, and a promise to do the same for him some day when they had leisure these last he appreciated but could not pay his rent with them and the days looked at times heavily shadowed there was always sunshine for them though in the house across the way and hearty welcomes and numerous invitations to dinner to tea even to breakfast when an excuse could be found oh the ways were constant and quiet and soul-sustaining which these poor neighbors found to aid each other weeks before mr spafford had presented his friend's name at his own place of business urging that it might be placed on the list for future vacancies but the list was long and the prospect of vacancies exceedingly slight i don't know of a probable chance perhaps in years had the foreman said to him but the day before of course sickness may occur but in that case we wait as we are doing with holbrook he is better by the way i hope we shall have him back in a few days and yet it was only the next morning that as mr spafford sat at his desk running up a column of figures a passing clerk paused a moment to say to him did you know that holbrook was gone gone where and the bewildered clerk tried to remember the sum of the column and talk at the same time why his disease took a turn for the worst last night at midnight and just at daybreak he died is it possible and mr spafford was thoroughly aroused it had not seemed to occur to any one that the man who had sat so long on that high seat behind that railing and plodded through such a weary stretch of business could possibly die mr spafford sat with pencil poised in air for some minutes unable to settle down to the routine of work when so solemn an enemy had invaded their ranks yet even while he sat there his mind went to speculating on the strangeness of the fact that death could come so near and yet not really touch him here was taken from their midst a man beside whom he had sat every working day for three months he would never sit there again and yet it did not affect his interests or himself in any sense how easily could mr spafford think of those the very suggestion of whose death as possible sent a cold chill to his blood human brotherhood is a strange distant thing after all he told himself musingly then bent his head and worked away it was towards the close of the next day that he was summoned to the private office for an interview with the heads of the firm this friend of yours mr spafford said the senior motioning him to a seat is he still out of employ and receiving an affirmative answer he added could you conscientiously recommend him to fill the position which you have occupied since you have been in our employ with steady lips but paling face mr spafford answered yes sir could this mean that they were dissatisfied with him never mind he would do as good a service for his friend as he could and he forthwith gave as rapid and condensed an account of his peculiar business qualifications as he could i think i will try him said the chief if you know his address mr spafford you may communicate with him to that effect we would be glad to see him to-morrow morning meantime you know of course of the vacancy in our ranks Well, sir, we have unanimously elected you to fill the place, to hope that you will prove as faithful to the firm and to the right as the one who has fallen is to wish great things from you. Callie, her husband said, breaking the little silence which had fallen between them, after the wonderful news had been talked over, what will our jewel-box think of having three hundred dollars a year in it? End of chapter 26